Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cross-Functional and Friendly. Today, we're going to be talking about setting goals, one of the hardest and most frustrating parts of every leader's job. As we all know, goal setting seems to happen all throughout the year, whether it's annually, quarterly, monthly. You have your team, cross-functional teams, and it's never easy, and there's really no playbook for it. But we're going to share with you some of our tips and tricks um, in our experience across product sales and marketing. I think one of the things I get asked a lot, maybe we can start with this. I don't know about you guys, but um, I get asked just at a high level, like, how do you think about goal setting? You know, do you use OKRs? Do you use an annual? Do you use a quarterly? So just at a high level, you know, what is your guys's recommendation for like general frameworks of goal setting? That's a great question. I think the number one thing to consider here is the stage of the company and how much process is needed, as well as the time horizon for when when you're setting your goals, because um, things change very quickly in startups. And so I don't think you want to lock yourself into any goals that are um, way too long. So that would be my first, the first thing. Marketing, well, we'll get into marketing specifically in a bit. Any other general things? Yeah, I think on um, on product, the time horizon really matters. So I generally think that we mix the what's the like vision, mission, <laughs> goals. Yes. And so I think it's worth revisiting at least the high level vision for where we want, not even the company necessarily, but specifically the product, because there's like the overall product or company goal. And then there's the product vision, which is, I tend to think of it as, you know, in two or three years. What do we want users to say about our product and who we are and what we've built? And kind of keeping that in mind is something that's very top of mind for me right now in my current role, but something that we think we I think we always have to revisit when we think about setting our goals. So to me, that's one of the big ones. It's like the overarching product vision, which is subject to change, but there needs to be some high-level time horizon that really connects all of the folks building this product. So as we go to set our individual goals, we have something to connect to. Is overall product vision different than roadmap? Yes. You're using trigger words, Kristen. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I'll put a trigger warning at the start of this podcast. <laughs> I, I think it is it is different, right? The, the vision is um, where do we want to be and what do we want to be known for and what do we want this product to do? Like what's the user value that we're creating? or want to create in the world. In my investment life, I think of it in the context of like, when I talk to a company, like, do I actually agree with their vision of what they want to create in the world? Like, what is this thing? And I think that's a little bit, that is different from setting the roadmap. The roadmap is a few levels down, which tends to be like the specific tactics that you're going to use to kind of get to that goal. But before you get to the roadmap between the vision <laughs> and the roadmap, you have the strategy, you have the key initiatives, and then you get down to the tactics. And I think roadmaps can either live at the, you know, one year as a company, these are the big initiatives, or more tactically as a squad, what are the individual tactics that you're going to develop to reach that goal? But we'll get to that too, I think. That's super helpful. Yeah, I would say at a high level framework, I have a love-hate relationship with OKRs. Like, I understand the need for them. I don't know if I have a better alternative for them, but I 
fundamentally hate them. Like, <laughs> and I almost always hate how they end up getting rolled out. Um, but I probably default to saying something around an OKR structure is is what I tend to recommend out to folks. I agree with Stella in terms of like it kind of depends on your size and your scale. You know, I think an OKR framework for a Series A might be a total like you know, way too heavy of a process. I also think it depends on like how it gets rolled out. Do you have each individual person having an OKR? Is it a team OKR? Is it a department OKR? But, you know, in terms of sales, I think we kind of maybe in a lot of ways have this the easiest of everyone else because there's usually a number and the number is your goal. And that's your goal setting. It's like, make sure you sell a million dollars and that's your your goal. And so I think, you know, how granular you get from there sort of depends. I guess maybe that's the roadmap strategy similarity for sales. I don't know. But there, you know, there's a bunch of stuff you have to do to hit that goal. Um, and that's probably where your KRs are at. So for me, I think of it usually as like you want to have an annual goal and then you want to have quarterly goals that service the annual goal. And I like I said, I hate it, but I probably recommend something in the OKR structure. I mean, while we're here, can we talk about that? As someone who yeah. I talk a lot about OKRs and why it's important yeah, um, and why it's valuable for organizations. So I'd love to dig in a little bit and hear what, what works for you and what doesn't. Or maybe we should talk a little bit about OKRs more generally. Yeah. Am I the lone hater of OKRs? So do you hate OKRs? I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> in the absence of nothing, OKRs are better than nothing. Yes, I agree with that. They are better than nothing. And I can't say that I've done a system that is better or different. I just remember like in the early Trello days, right after we raised our Series A, you know, I'm a very process-oriented, goal-oriented human. And on my team, I made them suffer through monthly goals, which was the Mm. completely wrong cadence. Yeah. But to my credit, Everybody sort of knew what we were doing and what the goals were. It was just way too frequent. I think across the entire team, though, I don't remember there being any other cohesive goal situation until we got to OKRs. And then I was like, thank God (laughs) we have a language for talking about and a framework that we can use. But I think that in the rest of my years of experience, it's just been a crutch. It's also been something yeah. that feels a little performative, you know? So again, I, I think I'm with you, Kristen. Like, I don't know what an alternative is. So, right. It's your, I, I feel very quick and easy to criticize. Oh, no, sufficient alternative for it, though. Yeah. But I agree with you. They feel oftentimes. I think it goes back to what I was saying about, like, I think it's the execution of them, not the philosophy of them. I think, like, philosophically, I agree with, like, you should set a goal. You should have, like, what it's going to get you to that goal, and you should track that. But I think um, a lot of times it gets to be that, like, your whole job is just OKRs. Like, I've I've felt that before where it's like, oh, my God, like, here I am. I'm back in another planning session for OKR. Like, I have to update my OKR notion page. And I got to, you know, it's just like I become doing the job that is just the job. Like it's, yeah. it is, it does feel performative ultimately. And that's where it's like, I think you got to like try and balance like monthly is probably too much. Individual yeah. OKRs is probably too much. It's like, it's like a dial you got to try and twist to hit, you know? 
I'd separate that, as you said, Kristen, the execution from kind of the objective or the purpose. So like OKR's objectives and key results, the intention is to have an objective, which is really a goal that everyone is aligned around. And then the KRs are, you know, everyone agreeing upfront on how we're going to measure, right, the success of this objective. And I think that in itself, there's so many ways to do it. Like there are lots of frameworks for goal setting, but ultimately it's the does everyone know what we're working on, why we're working on it? And when we're done working on it, do we all agree on on how we'll measure whether or not this thing was successful? And I think most teams don't do that well, even teams that use OKRs, right? I mean, in theory, hearing you say that, you're like, yes, that sounds amazing. But it is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but how many times have you seen, I feel like I'm, I'm yeah. ready to rabbit hole because I have thoughts on this, but how many times have you seen like an all green OKR but like shit is not okay. Yes, that means it was not, but it was not an OKR. That was a fail. Or you thought that the key results were going to do something that they didn't do. Mm-hmm. I think that happens a lot in growth, you know, in growth stage where you're, 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 yeah. I think it also is like a maturity of the business. You know, I think when you have a lot of data, OKRs are in a lot of ways easier to track and to set up. And I think when you're really early on and you're just trying to figure out like you don't have quarters and quarters of data, for example, or you don't know how this team has historically <laughs> performed. OKRs get a lot harder. Again, I'm, I don't even know what I'm arguing because I don't have a better <laughs> option, but I just really don't <laughs> like OKRs. <laughs> Let's talk about maybe setting individual team goals and then also like how teams can work together cross-functionally for, for goal setting. Yeah, sure. Steer, steer this shit back into some focus. All right. I'm going to pick a bone with marketing goal setting because, as usual, people have kind of crazy expectations for marketing a lot of the time and especially marketing strategies and programs. So I would caution and say that for for marketing, and I'll give some examples, it's good to have short-term goals, medium-term goals, and then long-term goals because if you don't have long-term goals, you may not end up doing some tactics that take a long time to see results, but that build over time. So for example, you know, if you are a company that believes SEO is a channel that can be very successful for you, you will have to invest and invest and invest time and resources into that channel before you see results. And if you're on a short-term mindset, like you would just never invest in that channel. And a lot of companies right now are really struggling because the channel that benefits most from short-term short-term goal setting is paid and performance channels. Well, I should say paid specifically, um, not performance in general, but paid channels because you put money in, there's a formula, and you get Ta-da. results out. Ta-da! So, so in, you know, when money was plentiful over the last couple of years, it was like a great formula to follow. The problem is that when Facebook and Apple and all these platforms pull the rug under you and your CACs become unreasonable and all of a sudden the formula doesn't balance, you're left with not a lot if you haven't invested in other more organic long-term channels. So if you're a startup and you're listening to this, especially if you are not a marketing person, I would definitely think about your tactics and what you expect over a time horizon, and then maybe plot them out over that and understand like if your resources are $10, you know, how much are you putting $5 in the SEO bucket or, you know, how much of it is up front? 
try to think of it and be really strategic because um, that's a mistake that I see a lot of people make, specifically people who have not worked with marketing or marketers in the past and also whose like thoughts jump to paid marketing specifically as like the only thing that marketing can do. So that is my soapbox for today. <laughs> I wonder with that, Stella, I, you're both mentioning kind of the time horizon. So one month goal setting you mentioned for time. That was crazy. Crazy talk. What was I thinking? Quarterly, potentially, depending on the kind of team that you're on, right? And how you're operating, that could also be kind of too frequent a cadence. For most product teams, I, I think actually a quarterly cadence works well. But I'd also say that I think this this idea of an annual goal setting is really important, even for startups, right? This is not saying exactly what you're going to build, but this idea that somewhere <laughs> on some leadership team within an organization, like there's, there's some point of view of kind of what we're building towards in terms of what user problems we're solving or what business value we're creating on a year-long time horizon. Like that, I think, is a good, it's good hygiene, not that mm -hmm. it's perfect or it's going to be right, but I think there's something about teams just going through that exercise before deciding whether it's monthly or quarterly or some other like specific cadence for the tactics. Yeah, I would say the analog you were talking before about like the vision and the overall like greater goal for product. I think that the marketing equivalent for that is the idea of the brand and mm -hmm. like what it the yes. brand mission, what is the brand feeling, what are the voice and tone, some of these longer term ideas. Yep. And then maybe for an 18 month horizon, what is the positioning and making sure that you are putting a lot of thought and energy, maybe not all the time, maybe it's that one point in time yeah. where you're revisiting the positioning or the brand, because that stuff can, I think parts of it can change over time. An example for that from Trello was that, you know, initially we started off being very like use Trello at home, use Trello at work. And over time, as the brand grew in maturity, it became much more of a work focused brand identity. Um, and, you know, that's OK. That's just I think a lot of B2B SaaS, uh, especially over the last yeah. years, have gone through that. So and I think that's a great hedge, Stella, as you were saying against that. What's the trade off, the short term versus long term? Right. Yeah. That's the thing. You have to have some kind of a longer term anchor for teams. Otherwise, you end up just keep we, we'll, we would like forever just do the really small optimizations that we see really quick kind of returns from as opposed to longer term goal setting. So yeah, I agree with that, especially on the brand component, which I think a lot of companies don't set goals around and don't have a vision for. No, I was just seeing this today in, um, I think it was a Kyle Poyar uh, open view article where it was saying that startups that have marketers as one of their first hires have like 5% conversion rate on their homepage compared to like 2% for non-marketing people startups because of that positioning exercise yeah. that marketers will make people do in the beginning. I'm actually, I want to get sales back in the conversation. I just left. I'm, I'm now in pristine goal setting. I'm done for the day. Sales has goals to hit and sales needs. So the toughest yeah. job. The yeah. toughest job. I mean, I think, you know, everyone probably thinks their own team has the clearest goals, but I do think sales probably has the clearest goals usually. 
I think it gets muddy when you go to other GTM teams, like, you know, like customer success, for example. Um, usually sales goals ultimately are, are, are bookings, you know, and then SDR's goals are pipeline generation. And it, it kind of goes down the wire from there. What if like there are just that one or two features that stand in the way of of a sales team hitting well, their target. Well, that's why I was asking okay. you know, what the difference between the strategy and the roadmap was. No, I yeah, I, I mean, I think like, well, this goes in, that's an excellent segue, Stella, thank you so much, um, <laughs> to cross-functional goal setting. Because I think that, uh, and I talk a lot about this when I when I talk to companies I'm advising, which is you can, this is my other pet peeve with OKRs, which is that you can go through an OKR process and if everybody does it siloed, you're going to find out that there's a bunch of OKRs that have dependencies on other teams and other departments that those people didn't know about. And all of a sudden, all the OKRs can't get can't get done. You know, they, they just can't can't be worked on. And so I think it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, ideally you have a good relationship with product. Ideally, you've been putting product feedback in product board or your Trello board or whatever. And you're like, hey, product. Yet another ask for this feature, and this is how much money we're leaving on the table. And at some point, product takes your phone call um, and talks to you about it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but but ideally, <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, but, but ideally, then when you go at the executive level, right? And this is the role that hopefully the CEO or the COO or whoever is playing. It's the role I try to play as COO. And I say, well, you know, R and D, like this is the lift we need to get. So what's sales doing to get that lift? What's R&D doing to get that lift? What's Eng doing to kind of get that lift? Um, ultimately, like in the individual quarter, you know, those things are not playing at the same time together because product and, and Nikita, you'll keep me honest on this, you know, product has to work ahead, obviously, of engineering because uh, engineering needs to take what product scopes out and build it. Um, and then it has to be shipped before sales can sell it. Hopefully that doesn't always happen, but sometimes sales sells it ahead of time because we're bad. Um, but so you have to, again, it goes back to what's your time horizon. So ideally you're looking at that probably on a 12 month or six month time horizon where it's like, all right, well, if I need to hit a million dollars right now, nothing product and R&D can do for me this quarter. Like I, I'm in it. Like I got it. That's all a sales and marketing lift ultimately probably or customer success. But hey, the next quarter is 1.2. So what killer feature or what change to the onboarding flow or what, you know, whatever it is, is starting to come down the line for that, which ideally was already in the roadmap, right? Because it needs to come out next quarter. So that means and just probably already working on it. So then R&D is product probably one quarter ahead of that on that goal setting. So ideally, you're having those conversations. Ideally, uh, features and um, R&D effort is hopefully being tied to monetization. I think going back to like the scars of our youth, you know, I think that was really hard for me at Trello because we had to balance that like Premium, you got to bring people in and keep them delighted and have it be a delightful experience um, with the features that go out just for the paying class, right? And what was that balance when you had a relatively small team? And and like I think you said, Stella, we did not have an OKR process. No way. No, I don't think we had it until I remember. Well, I I think I mentioned this in other other podcasts, but 
I remember in the very early days, the only way I could get any product roadmap like conversation <laughs> was when we would we would do these cycles with our PR firm around, yeah. all right, what's the next quarter? Like, what are we going to announce? And then that would be sort of the impetus to be like, what's the product roadmap? So I'm still waiting to see the product roadmap for Trello. <laughs> it's been seven years. <laughs> I've been told it's coming. I heard reporting is hey. coming like literally any day now. Yeah. <laughs> Fighting words. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I love you all. I love you, Nikita. But yeah, like we did not have the, like we were not setting cross-functional goals. Well, yeah. the cross-functional thing is, um, I'm here giggling. It is, I'm sorry. It is just so hard. It is really hard, yeah. Cross-functional goal-setting is just really hard. And I think when you mentioned that, Stella, this idea of, you know, the marketing objectives, the, the scariest thing is when marketing already has their objectives and PRs and product may or may not have theirs or they do. And then we're looking at them together after they've somehow magically been decided, which happens all the time. Well, I was just going to ask Kristen in her infinite wisdom and experience now as COO, uh-huh. <laughs> how are you making this happen cross-functionally in your company? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we've been going through an evolution of this, right? Where we had kind of really strict OKRs down to the, down to the individual people level, right? Um, and then we rotated out of that pretty hard and we went to just like high, one goal for each department per quarter, like one big, one goal. You're just all marching towards this one goal. And now we've rotated back to this more more hybrid version, which is that there's three goals for the three product lines. Uh, you can tell a salesperson's running the company because they're all revenue goals. <laughs> like they're all <laughs> revenue goals. Because ultimately, like that's the goal of the business, right? And then each department is kind of taking a, a goal off of that. Yeah. So if we have a hey increase activation goal from our free trial to our paid, there's an R and D, there's a feature associated to that, or the onboarding flow is being changed or whatever. Like we're we're saying this is going to impact that, and we're putting a finger in the air about how much we think it's going to impact it. Right? Doesn't mean that's the only thing R and D is doing, because of course there's like other stuff you have to do. There's keep the lights on kind of stuff. There's also like delight kind of stuff. But there is at least one goal where we very clearly are saying like, "Hey, we're going to do this pricing experiment." You know, CSM is going to do this part, marketing is going to do this part, mm -hmm. and R and D you are going to do this part. Are you in agreement on that? Um, and us making those trade-offs on the roadmap accordingly. So it's a continuous conversation that I don't think, maybe this is my, I feel like I'm in therapy about OKRs. Maybe this is my pet peeve about OKRs, which is like, sometimes it feels like in an OKR structure, you only have them when you're when you're setting OKRs. And like that ultimately can't be what it is, right? It's part of the roadmap conversation. It's part of the hiring plan. It's part of the budgeting process. When I'm asking people like, what tools, what people, what, what are you going to get with those people? What are they going to be doing? Like it's, so it's a holistic thing for me, you know? So tactically though, like does the leadership team come up with the three and then it goes down to the teams from there or how does it work? Yeah. So the leadership team, well, we just did an offsite with like our executive and our senior leadership coming together to work through kind of the next six months of exactly this. So instead of having to wait for it to trickle down, we kind of all sat together and worked through it. But yes, so at a, at a high level, the ELT came up with 
some high level thoughts. It goes down to the SLT leadership, the senior leadership level at each one of those, so like director of product, you know, the PMs, that team, and to vet it, you know, and also like for and to say like, hey, this is not viable because we have these huge bugs that are blocking and ultimately like, what do you want to do? You want to fix these bugs? You want to do new features? Like these are the trade-offs you're going to have to have. And then they've kind of come back and said what they can do against it. And again, I go back to saying like, there's going to be maybe two R&D goals that the company will see, but that's not the only goals the team is having. Like they have their own separate set of goals that they're working on as well that are kind of not at the like beat it into the company level of awareness, but it's stuff that needs to happen. So Kristen, your company is how many people? A little over 100. A little over 100. And Nikita, your company is how many? About 1,500. So why don't we talk about how it works at your company? Yeah, we have, I will start off by saying the part of the reason you probably, the OKR process probably drives you crazy, Kristen, is because it never seems done. No. Right? It's kind of like every every quarter or whenever the planning cycle is, you're trying different things. And 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 I get that. I, I think as, as a product person, I think, well, I can understand that. Every company does it a little bit differently. They set success a little bit differently. If you're a company that's more experimentation oriented, how you measure success of KRs might be different from a company that's just like released in the wild and see what happens. Just very different criteria. Anyway, Evanat, um, worldwide, we have a, a very we say top down and bottoms up, but at the, t- the highest level, we have company goals. Right now, they're annual. They weren't always. They used to be either every six months or we even tried a quarterly cadence. That was way too soon. So we planned it on. We have company-wide one-year or annual goals. And then each each group, each department, so the build team, which is product design engineering, that's on the software side, of those company goals, we sign up for a couple of them. Right. And within the company goals, you have these objectives, excuse me, you have KRs. And it's likely that there is a DRI. So there is an individual and some product team that is directly responsible for a specific KR inside of the annual company ones. I really like that approach. Directly responsible individual. Yes. I've never heard that acronym before. Hello. I feel like I know all the acronyms. You might you might want to think about this for your team. Well, (laughs) we do. This this idea that there's a there's a KR or a KPI where one person is like you're you're the one that's responsible for it. Yeah. I call it one throat to choke. I like there we go. It's the same thing. Your acronym is nicer. That's awesome. This is where, you know. That's the difference between sales and marketing. <laughs> I wish everyone could see Stella's face right now. <laughs> there And there's something about that, which is to say, you know, there is a person and a team <laughs> responsible not only for the goal, but also for reporting on it and figuring out, are we on track? Like, so it's the setting of the goal and then it's the follow-up, which is, is there a monthly check-in to see how are we doing? Are we actually on track to hit the goal or not? And even that, as you said before, it gets really that gets complex as well because it assumes that we worked with some data person to actually do the right projections, (laughs) right? And agree on whatever the KRs are and how we're measuring it across different teams. And that whole process really does does take take time and is subject to error. Anyway, so yes, we have annual goals. Um, We have folks that are at the executive level directly responsible for those objectives and key results. And then within my org um, inside build, 
our zones, which is, you know, there's a zone for our marketplace or a zone for our e-commerce business, they each have goals that are both that are annual as well. And those zone level annual goals must connect <laughs> to the company ones, except, as you said, sometimes within an org, you know, there are things we have to do that aren't necessarily connected to the company ones. And that's just business. Yeah. And I think we're, we're also, it's evolving, right? We're getting getting better at it. There are some teams now that are, um, we do quarterly reviews of the OKRs to see how we're doing, but it's possible that, you know, a zone's OKR won't change from one quarter to the next because they're taking on a much bigger, bigger, potentially higher risk initiative. And that's just not a quarterly initiative. Oh, I do not miss this part of the (laughs) I will tell you that much. I'm just thinking back. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think Atlassian, it was like, you know, at that stage of a company, it is that it is that like all the time setting OKRs, reporting on OKRs. It's like there's got to do something where you actually have time to execute on the job. And well, you're just so big, you can absorb the momentum that, you know, or not momentum, but the drag. I will say Atlassian actually did a really good job, I think, of communicating yeah. the OKRs and making sure that everybody at the company, even as the one-pagers. Yeah, the one-pagers. On the back of a yeah. toilet, on the back Always. of a bathroom door. That was great. Yeah. It, someone needs to explain it. Sorry, so. <laughs> <laughs> we're all nodding yes. about the back of the toilet, but nobody knows what we're talking I about. I close my eyes and see it. <laughs> I know. It's ingrained in myself. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Nikita. So Atlassian had the company OKRs everywhere, on every document, when we're in offices all over the place, including on bathroom stalls, you could see what the annual company OKRs were and the objectives and key results were there. So at any given moment, I think everyone really knew what our like big three things were. And the fact that they did the exercise of making sure that it was a one pager, so like yeah. human readable, you could explain it to everyone was... I think would really accessible approach. Yeah. Yeah. And even just just the fact that it was, I don't remember exactly, was it five? Was it six? Was it four? However many it was, but it was yeah. very- Enough to um, remember. Yeah. It evolved too. It evolved. Yeah. They changed it constantly. But I think yep. the gist was, it was always digestible enough. Mm-hmm. You, Given you the know, complexity of the organization. Of what yeah. we were doing. Yeah. yeah. Of course, it like didn't trickle down. Like it was complex under that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like very much an iceberg where like the very tip of it, you're like, oh, okay, that's fine. And then I was like, yeah. a sea of OKRs underneath it. But not to preach OKRs for a minute, but the reason I think it's really hard. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I just, I am I a love very- it. I'm a very goal-oriented person. Like I think we all are. And so that's why it resonates with me. Um and a plug for an article coming out soon that I've been doing on OKRs. But <laughs> but the point is, as a goal-oriented person, like the whole point of OKRs is really about stellar execution. Yeah. Right? The whole point was about velocity and urgency and how to get people rallied around a thing to move quickly. So the point where we're at now, where people just think of OKRs and they think slow, cumbersome, like bureaucratic complexity, complexity, feels like a really big fail. I think OKRs are, it's an industry ripe for disruption. Someone's just got to figure out a slightly better version of it. Oh, people are trying. I, I know they are, but you know, it's like, it's like all things that start with positive intent. Like Slack was supposed to make our lives better. You know, it was supposed to make it easier to communicate and replace email and all this other stuff. And it's yeah. like, yeah, listen, like, I don't know if I have a better option to Slack 
But like, I don't know if I love it. Like, that's how I feel about OKRs. I, I think my one of my bigger pet peeves too about OKRs is like, I think, especially in startup land, in my opinion, people think, well, if only we could just crack this OKR thing, this company would would sail. The problem is like, we're not good enough at at goal setting. And it's like, listen, you can have a Trello, which was tremendously successful with no OKRs. You can also have a very excellent OKR system and not have product market fit. Like, you know, these things, like this is not a magic, I talk about magic bean. It's like, this is not magic beans. Like it's mm-hmm. not going to suddenly fix your company's problems. And that's where like, I do have a love-hate dynamic with OKRs. Preach, Kristen. I love that. I don't, did we ever talk about So what comes first? Like who sets the first goals and then where does marketing slot in and where does sales slot in and how do you negotiate like who's going to do what, when? Let's talk a little bit about the uh, ugly. How, how, How can we make the ugly less ugly for our listeners? Yeah, I again, I guess it's like for me, it goes back to to stage, right? Like I imagine, you know smaller company, it's like, it's going to be the CEO because they're the everything, right? They're the co-founder, they're the visionary of the product, they're the driver of all of that. Well, so you had mentioned you got together for an executive uh, offsite. Was, yeah. uh, so were you setting the goals at the offsite or is it something where people set individual goals and then came to the offsite and like negotiated them? Yeah. So we had, um, as an exec team at a high level, set some direction, right? That we were kind of coming to that group and vetting out and kind of feeling out and saying like, how do you guys feel about this product direction? How do you feel about this business strategy? You know, um, what is this team feeling? And then at that offsite, we split the exec team out and the SLT team out and the SLTs went in. And SLT is uh, the senior leadership. Okay. So think about it as like the folks, the director level or the VP level under the C-level. They went and kind of started to put together what their, you know, operational cadence would be for this, including the OKRs, including kind of the goals of what they would come out with. So um, I guess like to steal from Nikita, right, it's like it is tops down and bottoms up. Like there has to be some core direction that's given at the executive level. Otherwise, that's don't know why you really have executives. Um, but you know, you need the counterbalance of the other of individual contributors or department leads or whatever it might be, depending on your scale, to kind of come in and actually like talk about the reality of what they can do during that time period. And there's also like a a push of like, hey, you know, I can do this in nine months. And us saying, like, you got to do it in six months, you know, and hopefully, like, this one's probably a little inflated and this one's probably a little too tight and you can come out, hopefully, with a reasonable, you know, number at the end. So anyways, for us, I would say, yeah, tops down, bottoms up. Exec team has the framework of what we need. That's something that we've probably discussed at a high level with the board and have alignment around. Um, And then you bring it into the departments and then they start hashing through the details, right? It's like, we need a revised ICP. Okay, who's working on that? Well, you know, we're going to have products take a part of this and sales take a part of this. You two go off in a corner and establish what we think the ICP is going to be and like come back together. And so again, like making sure that there's, there is a directly responsible individual, but kind of like from a Daisy perspective, there's also got to be like some, you know, contributors that are not just within that one department, hopefully. 
Cool. And Nikita, have there been, how do you think about influencing other people's uh, OKRs or making sure that the cross-functional stuff is well aligned? Well, Nikita just says she's not going to ship that feature and that influences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So with sales, it's really easy. <laughs> um, with marketing, with marketing, it's more challenging, right? Because there's, we're really, really dependent on each other. Um, I will say that the when I think about the marketing and product aligning more closely, that's where I think about product marketing as a function, I think is a really great addition yes, <laughs> to kind of cross-functional teams and, and how we align this because, because it's really hard for product leaders within an org to talk to all the different people on marketing because there's so many, right? There's so many different disciplines within marketing that you kind of need to align around. And that increases the complexity. So I think having someone like product marketing, really great, align that and, and making sure the strategies are close or connected is really important. I would say that the biggest flag for me is the um, is how close the relationship between the leaders is really. I was right? just waiting for somebody so to when say I like, that. No, it's true. <laughs> I mean, when I think about the three of us working together, I, I really do. You kind of need to create that and recreate yeah. it because yeah. a lot of it is about having such really candid mm -hmm. conversations in space, safe spaces, because ultimately it's a negotiation, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. About what we're going to focus on and why and when. And if you don't have those strong relationships and you end up in like really big silos. So I know it sounds really soft, but the biggest thing is really making sure that you're really tight with the other leaders in the org so you can you can at least intercept when this stuff is happening. So last week, um, we had a new CMO start a few months ago, Jenny, and she's really great. And last week, we had a three-hour workshop with product leaders and marketing leaders looking at what we've been talking through or thinking about for FY23. And I think that's one of the first times that's happened really in the org. And so much of that is because I think Jenny and I have a very aligned view <laughs> on what we need to be successful in the coming year. And the closer our teams are, the better. So we're also thinking about having an offsite for marketing leaders and product leaders just spend some time together. I was just going to say, I don't think it's soft at all. I think it's the basis of all all uh, functioning good relationships is the psychological trust and safety that you have to have. Um, and without that, then a lot of the uh, negotiations can feel like political mm -hmm. and, um, you know, that you're not uh, assuming positive intent and being on the same team with the company goals as the North Star for everybody. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that I can't underscore that enough is how important having the strong uh, cross-functional relationships are for the leadership team. Yeah. And and with sales related to that, it, I wasn't leaving you out, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, I'm used to it. Product always leaves me out. I'll say that the conversation, <laughs> the conversation I tend to have with, with sales leaders is the um, the business goals, right, are, are tend to be more tangible, but then asking the question of, what's the user value or what user problems are we solving yeah. to help us like being really aligned on that, I think is, is the hard part because product often has ideas around what the user problems are, right, that we're solving for that'll get us there. And sales sometimes have very different views. So sitting down and kind yeah. of chatting through what the assumptions or hypotheses are um, and that whole process, I think a lot of 
product managers feel it (laughs) because that that stakeholder management is really hard, right? Because at any given point, you have five or six different teams that have inputs into what you should be building and why. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the, the act of sitting down and saying like, Hey, I know you guys have a tough goal to hit. What can I do to help get you there? And whoever it is on the other side, right? Everyone has a tough goal. Ultimately, it's like, what can I do on the other side? Just that act is like so important. Even if you come away with one tenth of your ask, you know, just knowing that at least it was part of the consideration of when someone was setting their own goals goes goes a long way. And so um, I do think that cross-functional goals are the way to go personally. Almost every goal should have a cross-functional element to it. I do think there is a benefit at least at a annual or biannual level level of getting those people together physically um, to have some of these conversations, right? Like, cause it is, you know, it's like going to an in-person sales call. Like there, you do need to read some body language. You need to know when someone is starting to feel defensive and when you kind of like go and, you know, have a coffee and just like chat through it and complain about a bunch of stuff and then be like, okay, well, let's come back together. Now, what do we do? Um, because I do think when you do these things in vacuums or when you do them fully remote, um, it can be harder and it can lead to more misunderstandings that then kind of don't assume positive intent during the process. All right. Let's maybe move towards our tweets. What's the one tweet takeaway? But I will probably have more than one. So uh, I would say, okay, ours. Hate them, but have done anything better. <laughs> Tweet me if you have a better option. I love the idea of of OKRs, objectives and key results. I think that um, I guess John Doerr is the one that made it really popular in Silicon Valley. Um, but before him was Andy Grove. Oh yeah, I have a lot of respect for Andy Grove. Yeah. Andy Grove is the OG like combination of what it takes to see people as human beings, but also as inputs into a process and a yeah. system and figure out how to kind of get the best out of that so that you also feel productive. And part of feeling productive is about, you know, accomplishing your goals. So there's this idea that there's somewhere out there in the universe where a team can get together and not only agree on a goal, but agree on how you're going to measure a goal (laughs) seems really ambitious, but also necessary. And I, I, I've been in few situations where that happens beautifully, where at the end of it, you're like, oh yeah, we were successful and we all know why, or, oh yeah, we failed. And we also know why. Um, so there's something about that that seems that it should be so obvious and simple. And yet we still haven't figured it out. It's a very, I don't think that's a tweet, but I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm really, really not, not on Twitter, but anyway, I love the concept of it. I think it's really important for human beings to understand how to set goals. There you go. That's a tweet. Yeah. There we go. Good. All right. I got three. Let's see if I remember them all. For marketing specifically, be sure to communicate the metrics and outcomes from the tactics that marketing marketers choose. That is a very common mistake is like, oh, we're going to work on our brand. But then people have a hard time investing in that because it doesn't have any like metrics or outcomes associated with it. So whatever the tweet size version of that is, that's one. Number two Uh, Again, I want to emphasize the idea of tactics and time 
making sure that the tactics fit the timeline of the goal setting and also making sure that you have something short, medium, and long-term, um, that you're hitting all of those elements. And then the third is, again, reemphasizing the psychological safety, making sure that you're investing in that from a leadership standpoint in between um, planning cycles so that you can like reap the benefits of all of that great trust um, that you've established when things get kind of scary and fuzzy and horrible. I'm going to add one. I feel like I, mine was too snide, <laughs> which I feel like is also great word. My- my personality, but um, thank you. I would say that there's no perfect way to do goal setting. Mm, you know, the there it is. The important part is that you try and then you try again. And that's what I'll leave it with because as much as I'm, I'm bashing on OKRs, I do think it's insanely important that you set an objective out there and that everyone knows what it is and everyone's kind of rowing in the same direction towards it. I get tied up in the bureaucracy of how it gets executed. Um, And so I think the important thing is that you set something and you try towards it. And if it didn't work out perfectly, you try it again. Less snide. (laughs) Love it. More sincere. (laughs) 20% more sincere. All right. All right. Okay. All right, friends. This has been cross-functional and friendly. If you like the show, do us a favor and leave us a review. Next time we'll be talking about operating cadence, how the sausage gets made. It's fascinating. Tune in to hear more practical tips for how to make sure your team and cross-functional relationships are operating like a well-oiled machine and not like whatever is not (laughs) well-oiled and poorly oiled something else. (laughs) That's it for us. Thanks, everyone.